0: Linda Brady
1: and I'm Michael Brady
0: and together we're partners for karmic freedom and we welcome you to the age of Aquarius new rules for a new age we've been absent for the last three weeks and we wanted to explain that a little bit Um, once in a while we go on tour and this time we ended up in Charlotte Virginia and then we went to Franklin Tennessee Charlottesville Charlottesville pardon me Charlottesville or civil or as, Siebel, they say, right? as they like to call right. it for sure. Okay. And then we went to France. see, I'm tired. I can you can tell I'm not even getting my words correct, correctly here. So we came back home just a few days ago and uh, decided to start with our podcast again today. So this is podcast six, for those of you that are counting. And this is going to be for uh Discovering Your Inner Mother. And before we even begin to talk about that, some people said, Well, you know, Why is it so important to know know, what is the inner mother and what is the inner father? What is the inner family? The whole idea of that inner part of us is um, daunting to a lot of people or misunderstood. And we know, Michael and I know, that to move into the age of Aquarius, we are being asked to become spiritual adults, cosmic adults, if you will. Which also
1: means that we're asked to become more complex and sophisticated rather than
0: simple and childlike. That is absolutely correct. So in order to be more complex and to be able to understand the different parts of ourselves, um, we talk about that in terms of the inner child and the inner mother and inner father. One of my symbols that I use, if you can imagine are two oak trees that are about, oh, I don't know, 10 feet apart, I'd say. And they're very strong, and they're very, they're very powerful, and they've been there a very long time. And in between the two oak trees is a hammock. And, and the hammock, guess who's on the hammock? The child. The child, the inner child. So we have the mother, which is an oak tree. We have the father, that's an oak tree. Or you can call one the willow tree and one the oak. It doesn't matter. But those two trees are the foundation, they're emotional foundations of us. And putting it in the vernacular of being human, you know, we all come from male, female, energy, man, woman, mother, father. So for me, the idea of having the roots, the foundations, the pillars, however you want to see that, that are strong and powerful with the little girl or little boy in the middle of that is very helpful to me. And certainly I believe to become a spiritual adult, I need to become connected and responsible to the inner mother and the inner father. So that's how we got to this whole point. So and astrologically that is supported. You know which is one of the reasons I love being an astrologer that that the idea of the good mother comes from an understanding of the moon in our chart. Understanding the good father comes from an understanding of Saturn in our charts. So Saturn and the good father is our next podcast. Today we're going to talk about the inner mother. Or we can call her the inner divine feminine. We can call her the inner mother that's divine. We can call her many different things. The inner goddess. The inner goddess. All those things are archetypal, as Carl Jung would say. The archetypal good mother. Now, the challenge, of course, is not all of us had good mothers. or well, we wouldn't consider it that way. So one of the things that we taught, we, the way to access and look at that is what kind of mother did we have externally, and what kind of mother did we want, which sometimes is very different, and being able to understand that, understanding what the good mother was and understanding how our inner children related to that good mother energy or bad mother energy. So to be able to, to really learn how to become that for ourselves, we, needed to, we need to know what we've come from. Okay. Now, some people have said to me, well, why would I even think about creating a, quote, bad mother, unquote? Right? Well, we would think we wouldn't, right? We would create the good, loving, gentle, emotionally supportive mother. Well, then there wouldn't be any point to being here. Well, I guess not. Everything would have
1: been worked out. It
0: would have been worked out. Everything's fine. (laughs) There's no challenges. Nothing nothing happens.
1: We should probably be in heaven at that
0: point. Right. So what happens is that... Michael and I believe that we've had many lives, and we've had many lives as women, and we've had many lives as women who had children. So one of the things that's helpful is to find out not only about how we were mothered in this life, but what kind of mother have we been. And sometimes that doesn't look too good. Sometimes it's a problem. Um, sometimes we were bad mothers, sometimes we were abandoned mothers, sometimes we were mothers who lost our children. I mean, there's so many ways that one can identify sure. with that.
1: Sure, and understanding that in context, I believe that we've been in our spiritual childhood, in our evolution, our incarnations up until now. And this is our um, incarnation of of our adulthood, of the beginning of our adulthood. So... so um, Childhood is not a perfect experience, is it? No, uh, not. And so as children, having children, raising children, so to speak, karmically, up to this point, we haven't done a really good job of being mothers and fathers.
0: Right. So this is the life that we take a look at the way we were raised, the way we were mothered and specifically, and figure out ways that we want to change that. Right. And to become that for our own inner child. So
1: you're saying that. Something in my chart would tell me what kind of mother energy is right for my inner child. Yes. And that's not true for everybody's inner child. It's just true for my inner child.
0: Correct. That's why astrology is so helpful, because it's very individuated and specific. Now, Carl Jung talks about archetypes, like there's an archetypal good mother across that- cultures. Right, that applies to everybody. Right, now this is not that, this is... and More specific. It's much more specific, and that's why I like it, because, you know, my moon is in Pisces, and my little girl had a different kind of mother than your moon in Cancer had. That's right, exactly. So, so being able to look at our charts, look at the moon sign in our chart, and figure that out is really quite helpful. Because then we can go, oh, well, that's exactly what happened, that's who, who my mother was. And that is what my my inner child received as mother. Now, it, it, it gets a bit complicated with the moon because the moon not only represents our inner child and our inner child's personality, which it does, it also represents that mother, whole mothering experience. What kind of mother did I have? What kind of mothering experiences did I have? So it really does open up the whole wealth of information about the whole process of mothering.
1: Right. The sign that your moon is in says... What impression of what kind of energy you absorbed from your
0: mother? Correct. Okay. Right. And as we brought up, the karmic piece, what kind of mother, why would I choose? This is a key question. Why would I choose the mother I chose? Ooh. Ooh. Right. Okay. So it goes back to my idea of the cosmic, the cosmic coffee shop. When we are sitting down with our mothers, who are going to become our mothers, Right. and we ask them to be abusive or neglectful or something, or dying, on or you dying when you're six on years you old, or, right, me, when yes, they're six stuff years like old, that. Stuff like that, and why that would happen, and I often look at that and go, what would it take for a mother to say to a child, child soul, I think I'm going to leave you when you're six years old and that you know that whole idea of would that be a good mother well yeah if you needed it if it, on a cosmic soul level you needed to be left at 6 years old
1: if it fit with my plot my it, my drama my script that i wrote right. for this life right
0: that's right and your mother of course would have had her, your your soul mother would have also had her script
1: right and her script and my script match. They support each other's right. path.
0: That's right. Like, so she decided she was going to die, <clears throat> pardon me, and pass over at thirty-seven or eight, whatever right. she was. And
1: that served her.
0: And that served her. And it served you to uh, have that loss. As a six-year-old. Right? As a six-year-old. Yeah. Now that sounds like, oh my God, how can we do that? But we do. You know, I really truly believe we choose our parents to be exactly, absolutely what we need them to well, be. Well, if.
1: If all time is now, if you're off this plane or you're in your unconscious mind or your dream state, um, then we would have that precognizance before we come in about what we're liable to do down here. In fact, we're planning it so in the first place. Right. So, so we have that awareness before we come in. Then we lose the awareness.
0: Right, because I don't think we could tolerate it as, as young people. Yeah, that's so, probably even, true. Even now, you know, it's hard for some people, you know, to look at the way they have were parented and see that they had been abused and abandoned. It's hard. It's not an easy thing. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: I, 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 I was going to say that um, an interesting side point to this is it's important that we forget when we come into each of our incarnations because on the earth plane, the plane that we're in here, If you take a look at the experience of feeling free, being free, has to do with making choices, doesn't it? Right. Okay. And in order to make a choice, try this out. If you know everything, I mean 100% of something, do you have a choice? No. If you know zero, nothing about anything, do you have a choice? No. So choice must range in between partial knowing and partial ignorance, right? Right. What do you think is the most important part of that mixture, the knowing or the not knowing?
0: The not knowing.
1: That's right. The not knowing. Because only in the space where we don't know something can we actually step out of pattern, a pattern we may or may not be aware of, conscious or unconsciously, from our past, either in life or other lifetimes, and try something radically new.
0: And in addition to the radical newness, we can also do things to create amends. So if we have been the bad mother to children, chances are we're going to we're gonna have them again in another life, and it's going to be challenging. That mother then can become challenging to us. Sure. And so there is a way to create forgiveness, a way to resolve past life experiences, and so it really gives us a step up in how we're really going to change the past and really put the past in the past, you know. One of the things that I've noticed... Um, about our our parents' generation, you know, every every one of us lives in in a generational experience. So our parents, ours yours and mine, yeah. had Pluto in Cancer. They did indeed. And our our generation had Pluto and Leo. Yep. Now, one of the challenges I see in our generation, um, we're, we're in the seventies, by the way. So get you know you can relate to it. Usually between the sixties and seventies, and almost into the eighties, is our generation is that we, one of the classic lines is, they just didn't love me enough, Linda. I just didn't feel loved. I didn't feel adored. I didn't feel this, that, and the other thing. And I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it, and, I heard it, and I'm not going to even say it. Um, and then I thought, well, isn't this interesting? That's an archetype in and of itself, that our generation did not feel loved by the parents in front of us mm-hmm. who had Pluto and cancer. Now, that Pluto in Cancer generation is saying to a child, but I gave you everything. I gave you a home. I gave you food. Maybe I even helped you go to college. I gave you stuff, you know, because right. for them, that whole idea, the sanctity of Having family, enough
1: to eat and a roof over your head right, is, what
0: would, count. is what counted. Right. So I thought a lot about that, and I started to think about, historically, the generations. And I thought, well— It could be that the Pluto and Cancer generation were were generations of slavery. Let's think about that, that this whole generation had some level of slavery, whether it was slavery in this country or slavery, however, of Mm -hmm. poverty, we could have slavery of many things. And in that case, all they cared about was that the family stayed together that nobody talked bad about the family that you know that there was enough upset giving.
1: things didn't rock the didn't boat didn't rock any didn't boats cause anything to change because everything could change so precariously so right. quickly if you were enslaved Exactly. and slavery has been around for 10,000 years as long as we can record history in almost every culture
0: that exists absolutely so if that's the case and the pluto and cancer generation is bringing forward that terror of having their children taken away from them or not having a home, or any of those things, having stability. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they here they come, and now here we come. Now we prop we have Pluto and Leo, so we are a little bit narcissistic. So <laughs> we're saying yes. But well, I am
1: the center of everything. I in should my be Leo
0: energy, right? My, I should be. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave me a home, you gave me food. Yeah, blah blah blah. But you didn't adore me, right? And so what I think about about that is that what if we were the slave owners? What if we were the kings and the queens and the people that disregarded people just because we could? We had the power. We had the money. So what do we do? We come back again and are on the other side of that, that our parents are not going to adore us. They're going to provide what they think is important, but we're not going to get what we want because karmically we hurt them in that way.
1: And expect servitude. And expect in return. Ooh, there's a good word,
0: isn't it? So I think about things like that. That's why I think about it night. But I think it's really true that there is a very different orientation from in our generation. And every generation has its own issues. Right. I'm just using ours as an example. Right. You know, so because we, we can relate
1: to it personally, cause, yeah, because
0: we can relate to it. Um, so, with the bottom line, I think of it all is, you know, that karmically and on a level of resolution and forgiveness, we all choose our parents, and we all choose our inner, our external mothers, in order to make amends to all the children that we could have hurt, because we are having to understand what it's like to be on the other side of that. We're not the kings and the queens now; we are the slaves. Well, we feel like we are. We're not really, but it feels that way. So it's very, very important with all that being said to understand what our moon represents. Because in our chart, the moon is going to give us the information about our inner child, the personality of our inner child, and it's also going to give us the personality of our our external mother.
1: They're related. The personality of our inner child and the personality of our external mother mother or mothers in my case I had two I had a right. birth mother and a stepmother right. or anybody else whoever is your primary female caretaker, caretaker right. is who we're talking about
0: here exactly so it gets a little confusing so if you understand that your inner that your external mother gave you oh let's say she was a wonderful mother but she was never home mm-hmm. okay that, that's what happened with me my mother never right, you know right, right. she was too busy saving the world all the time right, right. well no we called her st betty she was right. busy handling the world saving the world saving the world but i didn't see it that way at, at when i was young i saw it as she was neglecting and abandoning me so she was doing her karmic mission and i was doing mine in having a mother who was not available emotionally and mostly physically mm-hmm. because i needed to learn what it was like to abandon have abandoned some other child that happened. And the other thing that was happening with that is I also learned, very importantly, that I needed to find a way to take care of myself mm-hmm. on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. So it gets very, it's very important. So to be able to look at our charts, to see the moon sign, to look at the inner child's personality, and then to understand the way it was mothered. It's really, really important. Because at that point, we can make decisions. We can, be, we can control how we are. We can say, okay, I didn't get that when I was young, so now what am I going to do about that? Am I going to do it for myself, or am I going to be- belabor the fact that I didn't get it? I mean, we have clients and you know, students who are to this day belaboring the fact that they didn't get, get the kind of mother they wanted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, after you're 60 and 70, it's about time to think.
1: You shouldn't need your
0: mother. Maybe you point. really don't need your mother <laughs> in the same way. But that's the inner child part of us, though, no matter how old we are. Keep saying, yes, but ah. I yes, but, yes, but I need that. I should yeah, have that. Yeah, but not from the birth mother we had, but from ourselves. Exactly. And so what I've done and what we have done in this little book, throughout, Through the Eyes of a Child, is... A Ultimate Guide to Parenting Your Inner Child is I've really looked at each of the astrological signs. I've, come, I've given a description of each of the signs. Mm-hmm. I've given a description of the kind of mother those signs would have. Right. I've given descriptions of the comforting relationships that we've had with our mothers right. and the challenging relationships with our mothers. It's all very clear in here. Right. And then I go on to give strategies and techniques about how to be the best mother that you can be right. to your own child, specific to your moon sign.
1: Tailored to your chart. Tailored Tailor to, to your, your karma.
0: Your karma, your understanding, the way that you need to look at it, the experiences, yeah. all of it.
1: My moon, was, my moon is in cancer in the eighth house. And the eighth house rules sex, death, and transformation. Death would be the important word there right now. So at six years old, I have my birth mother die. And she's the only touchy, feely, cuddly emotionally physically comforting person in my family and my stepmother after I get her is nervous and anxious she runs around and she is always fixing food and asking if you're hungry and folding the laundry and trying to clean the house and and keep up with everything but she's not a soft touchy feely person she doesn't hug a lot
0: She's, she's like a hummingbird.
1: Y- yes, yes, she's like a hummingbird, and, <laughs> right. and she's nervous, you know. A nervous like, hummingbird. A nervous hummingbird all the time. <laughs> right. So I grew up with that lack of cancer energy, of that soft, touchy, feely stuff. So naturally, my reaction to that unconsciously, before I became a psychologist and everything else beyond, when I was growing up, in my in my youth, um, I felt it was important to hug and touch people a lot because I felt the lack of that in myself. So when I had my own child, I had I have one child in this life, a son, I was really inclined, I was almost compelled to want to put my hands on him a lot, to rub his hair, to talk to him about his feelings, get him to oh, yeah. identify his feelings, okay? And, mm-hmm. I, and, and in hindsight, that comes out of this karmic process of having a moon in cancer in my eighth house.
0: Except that your son had a moon in Gemini.
1: I know. He had a different moon than <laughs> I, I, know. I did, right.
0: And so his ideas of, the, of what you were trying to share when he was young are different than what he can feel now. That's correct. So anyway, so and that's important to to think about, though, because when we are parenting our external children or ourselves, we have to be really knowledgeable about what they need. Right. You know, because if we're projecting on them what we didn't get, that's hardly ever what they need. Right. So which is one reason that a lot of my clients have young children. A lot of my clients start working with me before their children are even born because they want to know. What their ch- child needs, not as an extension of themselves, not as an ob- objectified ex- ex- expression of themselves, but their own selfness, which is why New Age parents are so wonderful to work with, because they really they know what their child needs on an emotional level. They know what kind of mothering that child needs. They know what kind of fathering that child needs. Right. Now, sometimes they can't pull it off, but then I say, "But that's okay. There's the challenge." Your, your child needed that challenge. It doesn't need you to be the perfect mother. It needs you to be exactly who you are. Now, you can round out the edges and work on that better than most parents could because right. you know what the right. child's mood right. is. But it's always going to have its glitches. Oh,
1: always, yeah. Oh, it's good. It needs to. Well, and and we picked the parent involved because the how they were going to be in this lifetime, as imperfect as that turns out to be, was exactly what we needed to bring our consciousness maybe at some point in our lifetime to a place where we tune in enough to this issue and start to deal with it for ourselves okay
0: now here we're going to i'm going to have michael talk a little bit about the difference between a woman's moon and a man's moon so michael take it
1: okay so for men for all you men out there listen (laughs) up i'm going to lower my voice now um Men, Men's moon signs are projected. That means that we don't pay attention to the emotional side of ourselves as much as women pay attention to the emotional side of themselves, generally speaking. okay. So we project, that's a technical term here in psychology, we project like a movie projector that energy, that awareness of our emotions externally out to the women that are in front of us, that take care of us. So our moms to start off with, our wives, our lovers, our, our friends who are female, all of that is a projection for us. And we attract in the people that we need to mirror what we're dealing with with our own female energy. Uh, so when you look at, at your mother and the kind of person the kind of personality she was for you, and you look at, at at your lovers, at your spouses, at the women that you deal with in life, you'll find that you can amalgamize, you can find common yeah. traits amongst all of them to a certain degree. And when you pull that out, you extract that out and That's going to be the things that you don't appreciate about them. It's going to be the things that bug you, the things that you don't like about women or about them in particular. And those are the female qualities of yourself that you're basically out of touch with in this lifetime because you jumped into a male body and have a male personality on top.
0: Except you've also had female lifetimes. We have? Yes, you have. You,
1: you mean we have to switch back and back forth? Back
0: and forth. Yes, we do.
1: Does that mean we also like do everything? Like do we become other races and other ethnic groups and oh, you're we change guys countries and, so and everything?
0: Like, yes, it's true. Mm. So – and this, you know, this is where uh, it gets a little dicey for men because – Usually, when we um, are projecting something in this case, a man's projecting there what Carl Jung called the anima, the hidden female self
1: the anima onto
0: the, versus the animus yes, that's we'll talk about that next week right okay, so he's projecting those energies now, unfortunately, we don't usually respond to things unless they have a challenging aspect.
1: right on the earth plane in our childhood of growing up here evolutionarily we really don't pay attention until we get uncomfortable that's right
0: so it's not like we can a man can project and have all these wonderful experiences with women because chances are they take that for granted and it wouldn't be challenging so they tend to create uncomfortable challenging relationships so when a man looks at the book he's probably going to look at this at the problematic part of his moon first which is which is fine And then he's going to be able to look at women uh, and what they've represented and being able to see it. That amalgamization and coming up with that one energy is very powerful, and it will affect us. And if it doesn't affect us emotionally, we haven't done it right. It has to come from that heart, emotional place and go, oh, my God, is that really what I, you know, repressed all these my whole life well yeah probably is and at that point that changes as soon as it, we're conscious about it as Carl Jung would say as soon as we're conscious about it then we work on it right you know and this is you know when, when people come and say you know I, I've been married t- three times and it's never worked and you know blah 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 and we'll, we'll start talking to them about the common traits of the women that they brought in they've created a pattern and they are the common denominator. And once we've un- they understand that they are the common den- denominator, and they've all you know, every single woman he's drawn, brought into his life is the same, then he can go, oh, my God, I was just looking at myself in the mirror. Or I was trying to resolve my issues with my mother, who was X, Y, and Z. And then they can start creating a new pattern. Now, the flip side we'll talk about next, next week. Because we met, we women have the same issues. They're just reversed. Yes. You know, so it's really important to, to know that. And that's one of the ways, probably the most powerful ways to access our inner mother when we're starting to see it, you know, outside of ourselves. Right. Okay, now there are other ways to do that. One of the things that we, you know, that we talk about a lot in our work is how we create the experiences that we need through dreaming or meditation, all right, um, so programming your dreams means that we literally ask our soul, God, whatever, whoever, um, that we have a, a question, and that question's important, and that once we ask the question, the, uh, the dream then becomes a real process.
1: And let me jump in here a second. Sure. Okay. So programming your dreams means this. When you lay down at night to go to sleep, And you begin and you close your eyes and you begin to let go to drift away, you're actually drifting through a hypnotic state into sleep and dreams. Dreams and hypnosis are very aligned with each other in the same place, in the same state of being. So when you're talking or you're thinking to yourself as you go to sleep, Whatever you have on your mind, whatever you say, whatever you think about, as you drift away completely, that last thing is a hypnotic suggestion. Mm. And your unconscious mind, which is always on the job, 24, 7, 365 days a year, as long as you're breathing, is listening to that. And so by programming your dreams, what you're doing is, is you're, you're actually talking to your unconscious mind. You, We would say you're also talking to your soul to help you. Mm -hmm. Talking to your soul and your unconscious mind as you you go to sleep is in fact programming something that's automatically going to happen once you've drifted completely away into your sleep. Thank you, Master
0: Hypnotherapist. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, so once we've done that, then we can get an idea on another level of what our inner mother is. And sometimes it'll show up, as a, a woman, oh, Aunt Louise or somebody, you know. Mm. But it doesn't matter. If we program to find out more about our inner mother, any woman show, that shows up in the dream is something we need to understand. And everything in a dream is a fragment of ourselves anyway. It's a fragment of our unconscious mind symbolically presenting itself to us right. so that we can see it. Because I believe that all, all dreams are a gift from God. We just have to figure it out. You know, some people, you know, have these really, they can, they have dreams of the great American, it could be the great American novel, and they can get lost in the weeds with all the detail. Yeah. Or some people have trouble just remembering anything. Right. Uh, the extremes. The extremes. You know, what, one of my classic examples of this was a client of mine, I'd been working with her for years, oh, probably, well, I don't know, maybe five, six years, and I knew, based on her chart, that she had real issues with her mother. She didn't want to go there. She didn't want to touch it. She didn't like the idea of even, my even talking about it. And so I stopped talking about it. You know, I, I wasn't going to, you know, you can lead a horse to water kind of thing. So one day she comes into my office in Baltimore and she knocks on the door and comes in. She says, yeah, the weirdest dream last night, Linda. I said, yeah, what? And we go to my office and sit down. Yeah. So said, tell me about your dream. She said, you know, I dreamt that I painted my kitchen red. And I went. Praise God. Wemo, <laughs> Wemo, <laughs> Because, and I would say, I said, so symbolically, I mean, I wasn't going to program it for her. So I said, so symbolically, what would you say kitchen represented? And she talked about like nurturing and food and, you know, feeling good and, you know. Comfort. What, comfort, all that. And I said, so what's the color red? She said, well, that feels like fire to me. It feels like anger. It feels like conflict. I said, uh-huh, put it together, hon. Well, it took a few minutes <laughs> for her to put it together. She had a slow feed. She had, Oh, she did not want to do this. <laughs> and she said, are you telling me that my dream was about how angry I am at my mother? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
1: really hard not to laugh in a session at that kind of point, isn't it?
0: I know, and inside I'm going, "Uh, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm trying to tell you, sweetie. Well, it was her dream. It was her unconscious mind. It was her soul's answer. I didn't have to do a thing. You didn't tell her this. Didn't tell her anything. She came to it of her own accord. Right. Which is very hard to deny. Yeah. She can deny my telling her ex, but she couldn't deny having that experience. And then we started talking about her anger of her mother. And actually, it was exactly what she needed to do to be free. Right. And That's- she started to release her anger with her mother, and things started transforming. Right. Okay, so so that's how powerful the dream work can be. And it's really important, you know, to, to make a commitment to having the same program for a while. Sometimes people say, well, I want to answer this question, and I have that question. And that's fine. You've got a lot of life Slow to answer. Slow down. Slow down. Do one thing at a time. Record your dreams. If you have trouble interpreting them, that's what I'm here for. I'm very good at dream interpretation.
1: Yes, minds change instantaneously. Ideas change instantaneously. Emotions and sensation, which have to
0: do with the body, take time. They unfold over time. Right. Now, the other way of accessing the inner mother is through figuring out what you, who your heroes are. Um, I think, because that's the amalgamization on a different level.
1: Well, that's the positive side of the coin. I think, you know, yeah. for me, uh, once in a while I would bump into a, a a kind of a woman who wasn't like the women I grew up with and they would stand out and they were usually exceptionally kind or they were empathic Mm -hmm. or they were gentle or those kinds of things. They probably
0: were good cooks.
1: They were good cooks. Cooks, Yeah. And, and they touched and hugged a lot.
0: Yeah. All right. And if you can't find that, you know, you can go to, you know, actresses, actors, you know, historical figures. Sure. When I was a little girl, um, and I was very much involved in the Civil War, even when I was very, very young. Um, I remember I remember seeing to my mother one day, something came up. And I said, well, my hero is Abraham Lincoln. And she said, well, why? I said, because he was really not really good looking, was he, Mommy? She said, no, he wasn't. I said, well, I'm not either, am I? Because I was always a fat kid. And she when she tried to make. I know. thought you were
1: cute as hell well, when you were three. Yeah, well, I something. know. Well,
0: so. I'm not talking when I was three. I was about seven or eight. I was not quite that cute. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I doubt you were ever really ugly. Well, I the key point is that I thought, but I you was. felt that way, right? and yeah. so, what I thought about Abraham Lincoln was he's not attractive. Why didn't say? I think I think I said, well, he was really ugly, mommy. And she said, well, yes, but he was a great man. And I said, you know, yes, he was. And if he's a he's not attractive. And he was a great man. That means I can be a great woman and not be attractive. I had it. I thought that was pretty clever of me. It was. You know because how old were you? Seven or eight. Yeah. That, that I had was the, just was gone through brilliant. reading all of uh, one, one of my favorite authors' books on the Civil War. And of course, Abraham Lincoln. You know, was a right. big, big part of that. Right. So anyhow, so. That kind of experience for me was really important, and so you know even now I think about abraham lincoln and i've just we just watched two specials about him and the magnificence of this man, so that was he was my hero so if you have so if you're a woman now that would I'm jumping a little bit ahead to next next call, but if you're a woman, find your heroes, find your female heroes, find those women historical or otherwise, that you believe is, is the manifestation of of emotion and sensitivity and power, mostly power, though, you know, not just being sensitive, but being powerfully sensitive, or those kinds of things, yes. all of that, yes. you know, is what we really, I think, what we really need as, as internal mothers. That's the divine feminine. Currently,
1: it, that's true, because we're coming out of the age of Pisces into okay. the age of Aquarius, and women are ascending in power. That's exactly right. Having been repressed for a couple of thousand years. Well, maybe
0: for more than two, actually. Maybe four or five. No, it, actually, the last time that we were in power was 6,000 years ago. There you go. During the age of Taurus. Yeah, we were the, the priestesses, we were the healers, yeah. you know, and the bull was, you know, was our playmate. But yeah, it was... The a, age of the Aries and in the age of Pisces. No, not so much. Not so good for the women. Not so good for the women. Okay, so those are ways that you can access. You can go into the book, you can read about it. You can work on your dreams. You know, you can come up with your amalgamizations. You can look at the kind of people that you bring into your life to give you a real good idea of what that of what the inner mother needs to be for you, um, some t- most of the time it's going to be exactly the opposite. And I, Mike and I not say this to clients all the time. You know, you're raised by X. Now you're going to do Y. Now that's fine, except sometimes that's too extreme. Right. You know, so it's like we have to be careful on both sides at that point.
1: But that basic oppositional thing is what leads to some progress each lifetime, sure. even if you haven't got a clue
0: what you're doing. And think about it. If we're supposed to learn what not to do from our parents, and that's, that's a heck of a thing to learn, isn't it? It is, yeah. So anyway, okay, so a big part of this whole process, as we've been talking about the inner mother, has to do with emotion.
1: Uh, Ah, my uh,
0: specialty. Yes, your specialty. (laughs) So one of the the big challenges that people have when they're talking about this or working on this is they don't get in touch with the heart energy or the feeling energy. Right. Now, that's why I said before, when you're dealing with a projection, if you don't have a feeling about that projection, chances are it's not one. Right. So that the more… Or if it
1: is one, it isn't important it's not
0: you know, important in this lifetime right no but if it's if it creates mad glad sad scared or ashamed yep. you've got you've got something going here and so that whole idea of the moon sign and the inner in mother energy it's all about emotion it's not intellect and I have people to this day that say but I want to understand it and I said, no you don't they no, don't oh yes I do no you don't
1: I no, just, you, <laughs> do. what I you want to do is experience
0: it. yeah you want to experience it on an emotional level. And that is what will sh- that will create the change. I spent most of my adult life because I was an intellectual, which was the one thing I had going. I think, and to realize that that and what dollar or two dollars will get you a cup of coffee didn't make many changes in my life. When I started understanding my emotional life, though, and dealing with that, that changed just about everything. So uh, Michael's got this wonderful little plan that he's developed to help you get in touch with your emotion.
1: Okay, so take the 3-day challenge. <laughs> Each day, what you can do is commit to paying close attention to your body and its emotions. Now, there are there are words I use for emotions because we have hundreds of words to describe our emotions. I use five categories: glad, mad, sad, scared, ashamed. And then slash after shame and put guilt there. Guilt is a distortion of shame, in my opinion. But the emotional categories God gave us, or whoever started all this, was glad, mad, sad, scared, and ashamed. So five words, five categories. And if you use those words, and a scale of one to 10 for strength, 10 is the most, one's the least, you've covered all the nuances of all those other words we use to describe what we feel. So try that and... Five times a day, so you may have you know if you've got a smartphone or something, you can set an alarm or every two hours, every three hours if there's something easy to remember to flag you. five times a day, whatever you're doing, you you, you take a pause and you go inside your body, inside your body. and how do you do that? You close your eyes and you take some deep sighing breaths, deep breath, means that you breathe into your stomach into the bottom of your lung not in the top of your chest so deep sighing breaths naturally do that you take some deep sighing breaths and you breathe yourself as you exhale down out of your head which you're going to discover you're in most of the time into your heart into your chest when you feel your presence in your chest when you're connected to your heart chakra then you're also connecting directly to your body your sensations and your emotions when, you're, when we're up in our head, it's kind of like we're standing on a diving platform above a pool of water and we're talking about how hot and cold the water is. Those are the emotions how hot and cold and you can talk all day about how hot and cold you think the pool is or what part is this temperature and what part is that but what do you really know until i push your ass off the platform <laughs> and you get wet okay the minute you get wet you know exactly how hot or cold the pool water is don't you yes you so do when you're in your heart center when you breathe yourself down into your body You get directly into the pool with where the water is, where your emotions are. And there that that allows you to directly identify what you're feeling. When you're up in your head, you're guessing at what you're feeling. You're intellectualizing what you're feeling. So you want to breathe yourself into your body, into your heart. And first thing you want to pay attention to is not the emotion. Don't go for the emotion right away. Take a little time. Pay attention to your body itself. Uh, are your feet itchy? Uh, do you have an ache in your back? Uh, is there a gurgle in your stomach because you haven't eaten lunch yet? You know that. Can, pay attention to whatever's going on with your body at the top level and kind of work your way in. When you've paid attention to your body and you have a sense of how you're doing, how you are, then feel around for the feeling if it doesn't come up. Because it's between your neck and your groin. The emotions occur in our body physically between our neck and our groin. And what I would, I would ask you to do is to take your index finger and locate the epicenter, the origin of the finger. So to touch the part of your body where you feel the emotion coming from within you. And then give it a scale, 1 to 10. And give it a flavor and give it a number and know that that feeling is there in your body, and it's that strong. And if you pay attention to this over time, you'll become much more able to immediately, with your eyes open, in the course of the flow of your life, when you want to know what you're feeling, and sometimes even without being curious, you'll, you'll be aware more of what you're feeling in play. And then you can start to pay attention to things like How much emotion am I generating in a contaminated way from ruminating on the past or speculating about the future? And that that has nothing to do with the here and now. All of that is extremely helpful in getting you in touch with your emotions.
0: Good. And keep a journal.
1: And keep a journal. And think about your inner child, boy or girl, and your mother, Mm -hmm. mothers in life. I have two. And and the women while you're doing that, and just let your unconscious mind mix that all together, so that you can begin to feel how it connects to each other, how everything is interconnected inside yourself. Right, and
0: if you get a little um, confused about all that, I'd respond. I I would suggest you go back into our book and take a look at the specifics again of what your your mother is, what your mother was what you need to be, all those things will you know, will show up in there. And then you'll be able to put emotion on it, not just read it, which is what most people would do, but read it and feel it at the same time. And that will create the changes that you know that we're looking for. So I would strongly advise that. You can get the book. Uh, it's called One More Time Through the Eyes of a Child, The Ultimate Guide to Parenting Your Inner Child. You can get it on Amazon. And take a look at that. And be lovely if you would be able to look at that before next week when we're talking about the inner father so you could read about that and you have have a heads up on what we'll be talking about next time
1: and check out our website karmicfreedom.com karmicfreedom.com and learn more (laughs) about our programs and everything else we're doing
0: oh that what a lovely advertisement (laughs) that was i I was
1: told to do this At the the beginning or the end of
0: shows. Oh, I see, I see. Yes, we're getting a lot of, speaking of that, we're getting a lot of wonderful feedback from you all. So um, we're going to do a blast again to blast out that we are back and we're starting our podcast as of today, once a week. And we're going to spend probably another five or six podcasts more on the inner child. And then we'll move on to another topic. So take care of you all out there and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.